You're listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Advances in Transplantation, produced in cooperation with Indiana University Health, covering current issues and practices in transplant medicine. IU Health, discover the strength of a leading national transplant center. Your host is Dr. Aaron Carroll, Associate Professor of Pediatrics, Director of the Center for Health Policy and Professionalism Research, and Associate Director of Children's Health Services Research at Indiana University School of Medicine. When might transplantation be indicated for patients with slow-growing abdominal tumors, such as neuroendocrine or desmoid tumors? Our guest today is Dr. Rodrigo Viana, Intestinal Transplant Surgical Director at Indiana University Health. Dr. Viana, welcome. Thank you. Maybe we can start by talking about multivisceral transplants. Can you tell us what those are? Multivisceral transplant entails the transplant of three or more organs in the abdominal cavity. So usually when you talk about multivisceral transplant, you talk about resecting all the abdominal organs except for your kidneys and replacing with organs from a single donor. So it's basically replacing the entire abdominal cavity. How common are multivisceral transplants? Actually, it's not common at all. We have basically in the United States you have only seven centers that are actually performing multivisceral transplants. For you to have an idea, for example, when we perform five, 6,000 liver transplants a year, we only perform about 30 or 40 multivisceral transplants in a year. And that's across the whole United States? That's across the whole United States. Wow. When you talk about intestine and multivisceral, intestinal transplant is just the isolated intestine. When you include the intestine with the other organs that's called multivisceral, then it's when it becomes very rare. So how many surgeons are there who can perform these kind of procedures? I would say you have about seven centers. In the center, you usually have one or two surgeons that can perform. So I would say 10 to 20 surgeons in the United States can perform that operation. When are multivisceral transplants indicated? In other words, what are the conditions that you would use this procedure for? What happens is these multivisceral transplants started in the 80s. I mean, in 87 was the first one. But It was usually a problem that started with the intestine. Let's say somebody lost the intestine, either from a clot or from some type of disease or had what we call short gut syndrome. And that patient, that person needed intravenous nutrition. What happens is that intravenous nutrition can cause damage to your liver over time. Or it can burn your axis if you uh, use those veins for a long time. You can have either infections or you can lose it. Well, by the time you lost your intestine, your liver is failing. You're talking at least two organs that are already failing. On top of it, you can have portal hypertension. Or when your liver fails, you can have hypertension of your veins. It basically becomes erotic. And that's how we started multivisceral transplant. It was better to replace the entire abdomen and then start replacing pieces of it. So that's how it started. After that, what happened is that uh, multivisceral transplant became a hope for people that have a catastrophic event in their abdomen. So basically, when you look at somebody's abdomen and a surgeon thinks, you know, there's no way I can fix this because there's too much damage. People had multiple surgeries, their intestine doesn't work, they have damage to their liver, to their pancreas, or they have slow-growing tumors that cannot be resected by regular general surgery. That's when a multivisceral transplant can help. When you do a multivisceral transplant, do the organs all come from a single donor or can you collect from different donors? When you do a multivisceral transplant, it's all one block. You take the entire abdomen, I mean the liver, 
pancreas, stomach, small bowel. Sometimes you can do large bowel and spleen, and you take from one single donor. Let's talk a bit more about neuroendocrine or desmoid tumors in particular. Can you tell us about these tumors? Basically, these are very slow-growing tumors. I'm going to talk first about the desmoid tumors. The desmoid tumors are actually fibrous tumors. So they're benign tumors that grow from the fibroblast, so in the mesentery, in the soft tissues of the body. Sometimes combined with those tumors, you can have a syndrome that's called Gardner's syndrome. What is Gardner's syndrome? Gardner's syndrome is the appearance of several polyps and tumors, and they're usually connected to the intestine when it's called familial polyposis, Gardner's syndrome. So that means those patients have several hundreds of polyps in their gastrointestinal tract. Well, why do you need a transplant? Because in a lot of times, those polyps can become malignant. And what usually is done is that these patients have resections, like the entire colon is resected. Well, when that's performed, if you have Gardner's syndrome, you can still have the fibroids, the desmoid tumors. So not only you have the polyps, but also you have aggressive tumors growing in the soft tissues. And if for a few people, those tumors can encaseate, can encaseate the liver, can encaseate the vessels, and they actually kill that person because of the size and the infiltration. So they're slowly growing into the tissues. And that's when uh, multivisceral transplant is a good option because it's the only operation because you're going to remove all the soft tissues, you're going to remove the bowel, and you can clean all those vessels. Multivisceral can actually cure that type of disease. And that's why we have used multivisceral transplant for desmoid tumors with very good results. In the other hand, you have neuroendocrine tumors. Neuroendocrine tumors are also a very rare type of tumor that can start usually in the gastrointestinal tract or can be in the pancreas, in the liver. These tumors, they usually secrete hormones, and the most common is called carcinoid tumor. In the same way as the desmoids or the Gardner syndrome, those tumors are very slow-growing, and people can go through several types of therapies before they need the transplant. These tumors, different than the Gardner's, they can give metastasis in the liver, they can give metastasis in a lot of abdominal and extra-abdominal organs. And in the same way as we do for other surgeries, multivisceral can also resect the entire disease before it spreads to other organs. So that's why multivisceral is a good idea in slow-growing tumors when they cannot be resected otherwise. So are these tumors found more in children or in adults? The desmoid tumors, usually when you have the Gardner syndrome, which is the familial polyposis, you are born with it. By the time you are 35 to 45 years old, if you don't have anything done to your colon or the, at least a colectomy done to resect those tumors, uh, the chances that you're going to have colon cancer are very high. The carcinoid tumors, usually because they're so slow growing, people usually have them for 10, 15 years before they find out. So usually it would start when they're in their 20s or 30s and they, they get the diagnosis in their 50s when they have metastasis already or they start having symptoms. So one you're born with, the other one usually starts in your 20s. So how do you decide when a patient with one of these types of tumors might be a candidate for multivisceral transplantation? I think one of the keys is that the disease has to be uh, restricted to the abdomen. Sometimes you have desmoid tumors in, you know, under the skin and, and things that can't be resected. So, I mean, you have to have a chance to completely resect these tumors. That's the first time you decide. And the other thing, usually these patients have been through multiple surgeons, oncologists, 
and it's one unresectable tumor. Otherwise, you have to take it out because if you try to resect without the graft, the multivisceral transplant, you're going to cause a lot of damage. For the neuroendocrine tumors, the same. We try to do this for people that have intra-abdominal disease because if you have metastasis to your bone or to your brain or to your lungs, then as you can imagine, we're going to go resect everything. And then if you're going to leave disease behind with all the medicines that we give for rejection, it's going to come back. The decision is that we have to be able to resect the entire tumor. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Advances in Transplantation on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Aaron Carroll. Our guest is Dr. Rodrigo Viana, Intestinal Transplant Surgical Director at Indiana University Health. We're discussing multivisceral transplantation for neuroendocrine and desmoid tumors. Dr. Viana, once a patient is determined to be a candidate for multivisceral transplantation, how long might he or she typically be on the wait list? It depends where the patient is listed for transplant. Here in Indiana, we're very fortunate. We really go after a lot of donors and we go across the United States. So the average wait time for a multivisceral transplant here is about 40 days. And if you get the entire United States, it's about eight months. So we're a little bit faster than the rest of the country. So I think if you get an average across the United States, it's about seven months. We have a much faster wait list here. Are times on the wait list longer for multivisceral transplants since the procedure involves more than one organ? They can be because the list is divided in rules that apply for adults and pediatric transplants. In the cases of tumors, usually these are adult patients. And what happens is that once you need a liver, which is part of the multivisceral graft, you're going to compete with patients that need a liver transplant. So it can take a little longer for the adults. And that's why they might take longer. The other point for multivisceral transplants is that a lot of these patients have a lot of resections before. And they lost a lot of weight, so they might have a very small abdomen. So even though they're adults, they might need organ from a teenager or for a small woman. So that's why you have to be very aggressive going everywhere to look at these organs. But yes, it might take longer. Can you walk us through the procedures process? How exactly do you do a multivisceral transplant? We go through an extensive evaluation process when the patient comes here, and uh, we decide first through a committee if that's a good indication for multivisceral transplant. After we get the testing done, which sometimes can be done here, sometimes the patients have testing that were done before, we try to work with the local center so it's easier for the patient. Then this patient is placed on the waiting list. At some point, he will get a call to come to the hostel for the transplant. The transplant consists in the entire resection first. I mean, we're going to approach and start the resection, you know, removing the stomach, the liver, the pancreas, and the small bowel. There is another team. At the same time that we're doing this, another team is preparing the organs. There is another table that's called the back table when another surgeon is preparing the organs to be perfused. Once we have the entire organs taken out, then unblock. The organs come all together, and uh, we perfuse through... You know, the blood comes from the aorta, which is a big vessel from the heart, and that that perfuses the new set of organs. The other organs have been taken out, and the blood then returns to your heart. Once we do that, we start connecting the digestive part. I mean, the patient received a new stomach, so we have to connect that to the esophagus. We try to preserve as much large bowel as we can. If we can preserve, let's say, the left colon, then we connect the new intestine, to the native intestine, the one the patient has. 
And at the end of this operation, then we do an ostomy, which is basically done as a terminal ileostomy, so the patient will have a bag, and that's left for three to six months. The reason we use that is because that's how we do surveillance to see if the patient is rejecting or not. It's much easier if you have an ostomy just to go in with a camera, take a little biopsy, and if everything is okay, three months later we go and we close that ostomy. Two weeks after the transplant, usually patients are off the intravenous nutrition, and they basically start eating five to six days after. Most of our patients stay in the hostel around three weeks, and when they go home, they go home either eating or with some entro complements and oral feeds. What is the prognosis for patients who undergo multivisceral transplants? The survival has improved tremendously in the last 10 years, and that's across the United States. For you to have an idea, if I look at our data today, our one-year survival is above 80%. It's about 84%, the one-year survival for this type of transplant, which is very close to the other organs. It's very close to liver transplantation, for example. The long-term survival, about five years after, you still have more than 60% of these patients are still alive. So when you think about somebody that have a very limited life, some of these patients have months to live, you're giving them more than 80% and more than 60% in five years. I think that's exceptional. What are the relative advantages and disadvantages of doing a multivisceral transplant? Pretty much what happens is that once you come to this point, the patient comes to this point that he needs a multivisceral transplant, I think you can only think that would be the final option. I mean, you wouldn't be doing if there's something else you could do before. So let's start with the principle that, okay, you have to have the multivisceral transplant. The big advantage is that some of these patients have suffered tremendously without the intestine, multiple surgeries. Some of them have an open abdomen. I mean, they cannot fix the fistulas or you have a tumor that is growing. So that's the biggest advantage. You will get rid of the disease and you will fix the basic problem of this patient. The disadvantage, of course, it's a big operation. I mean, you have to basically replace the entire abdominal cavity, and you will have to take medicines for rejection for the rest of your life. We've been talking with Dr. Rodrigo Viana about multivisceral transplantation for neuroendocrine and desmoid tumors. Dr. Viana, thank you for being our guest. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. You have been listening to Advances in Transplantation on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. This program is produced in cooperation with Indiana University Health, the strength of a leading national transplant center. Discover the strength at iuhealth.org forward slash transplant. To find more information on this week's show or to download a podcast of this segment, please visit us at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.